fatal hit and run. And we're appealing to the driver to come forward. A driver who left the victim lying in the road and how police found the suspect. A suspected case of carbon monoxide poisoning. I've seen um, somebody laying on the ground. How a woman and two children ended up unconscious on the side of the road. And the top non-emergencies. Are you calling 911 because they're not redeeming your coupon for you? Ecom releases the most ridiculous 911 calls of the year. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off this week. And we begin with breaking news. After an appeal from police, the driver wanted in connection with a fatal hit and run early this morning has come forward. Nadia Stewart is live in our newsroom with more on where this happened. And Nadia, what we've learned about the driver. Yeah, we know that he is a 54-year-old man, and the vehicle he was driving has been seized. The incident happened at around 3 o'clock this morning near the intersection of Glen Drive and Kingsway. The driver hit a 39-year-old Vancouver man. He later died in hospital. Police say the driver, though, did not remain at the scene, and they put out an appeal this morning for that individual to turn themselves in, and that is exactly what happened just over an hour ago when the driver came forward. Now, the 54-year-old driver has been released. Charges are pending, but those won't be laid until the investigation wraps up. Chris. All right, Nadia, thanks for the update. And we're learning more tonight about a rampage last week that left seven people seriously injured and a dog dead. It spanned two communities, Langley and Abbotsford. And tonight, as we learn, charges are coming. The mother of the 24-year-old suspect is speaking exclusively with our Ramina Dea about what led up to the incident and how she says it could have been avoided. My heart is broken. Um, uh, you're in my prayers. I'm so sorry that this has happened. Denise Anthony apologizing to the victims. My son is not well and he is not a violent person. Anthony's son, 24-year-old James Gordon, is the prime suspect. I can't tell you how I got out of the way. I just remember flying through the air. Lisa Toby is one of several people who called police last week. Langley RCMP tell Global News a Mazda pickup truck ran over multiple pedestrians in Langley and Abbotsford on December 19th. Police say seven people were seriously injured, two dogs were struck, one died. He was known that he was suicidal, extremely depressed, and for them to say that he was, yeah, of sound mind yeah. is beyond, beyond, you know, comprehensible. I don't understand it. Gordon's family says he should have never been released from Abbotsford Hospital, adding his mental health has deteriorated dramatically over the last month. Paranoia, delusions, severe anxiety. Mom, mom, you have to come get me. Uh, I'm dying, I'm dying. Gordon vanished last month. He ended up in U.S. custody for three weeks. On December 19th, he was admitted to Abbotsford Hospital for the second time. Within three hours of being released, multiple innocent pedestrians were struck in Langley. How could they let this happen? How can someone say he's sane? Like, mm -hmm. I'm appalled and outraged by the system. It's failed us as a family and all the other families that are hurt. Gordon's mother says the police, the hospital, no one told her her son was sent home. 
The Fraser Health Authority's response, it can't discuss the case because of privacy, but it claims an effort was made to reach the family. James Gordon remains in custody. He is expected to appear in court in Abbotsford on Friday. Police say several new charges are pending. Romina Dea, Global News. An SFU professor who disappeared earlier this month in Colombia has been found dead. Ramazan Ramo Genshai was last seen at a salsa nightclub in Medellin on December 6th. He was in the country to attend seminars at a local university. While it's unclear exactly how he died, there are reports he may have been poisoned. His wife, posting on social media, says her husband suffered an untimely death. And tonight, Genshai's friends are remembering him as an experienced traveler and a kind and gentle person. He was very much into dancing. He loved the outdoors. He loved to run and to hike and, and to travel. And he just, he pursued all of his passions with gusto. He just had a very, very full life. Global Affairs confirms consular services are being provided to the family here. And Canadian consular officials are in contact with local authorities gathering additional information in Colombia. A devastating discovery in Abbotsford. A woman and two children found unresponsive when emergency crews were called to the scene of a car crash. The trio apparently were suffering carbon monoxide poisoning. Jill Bennett has more on their condition tonight and the mystery police are trying to unravel. This stretch of Claiborne Road behind me was closed for several hours because of a police investigation. Residents in the area tell us they saw a vehicle stop there around 6.30 p.m. Wednesday, possibly after crashing into the guardrail. Around 8 p.m., emergency crews arrived. We now know they found a woman in her 20s as well as two children inside the vehicle. Abbotsford police tell us it appears all three were suffering with carbon monoxide poisoning. They were all taken to hospital and listed in critical condition. We spoke to one of the residents who lives just across the street. He came out just as those emergency crews arrived. I'd seen um, somebody laying on the, um, on the ground. And I seen like a lot of police officers around that vehicle and a lot of black bags, like uh, garbage bags. And then after that, I seen them looking inside the car at everything, like just like three, four officers looking in and outside too, which is kind of weird. As for this being another case of possible carbon monoxide poisoning, we reached out to a BC doctor who has treated some of those recent cases. Classically, carbon monoxide poisoning will give you headache, will give you nausea, make you irritable. Um, and it may not. I mean, the first thing that may happen with carbon monoxide poisoning is that you may just faint. And when that happens, it's game over because your vehicle may crash or you may simply fall asleep and drive off the side of the road. The section of Claiborne Road was reopened, but only after a thorough police investigation. Many officers were taking photographs of the vehicle. There was a tarp on top of it. It was taken off, but another tarp was placed back over that vehicle before it was towed away with a police escort. As for the investigation, it could take weeks to get any more answers. Police are also going to be waiting on a vehicle inspection report. Chris? All right, Jill, thank you. Damage from a pair of runaway barges in Burrard Inlet is pegged at a million dollars. The two barges came loose from their moorings in North Vancouver, floating all the way across Burrard Inlet where they smashed into a yacht and a restaurant. Sarah McDonald is live with the latest on this. And Sarah, the obvious question is, how could this happen? 
Well, Chris, that is the big question tonight and one we are not getting definitive answers to at this point. Repair work is well underway here in Cole Harbour, including at this popular restaurant behind me. This is where those two massive barges finally came to a full stop yesterday, leaving a trail of destruction behind. The aftermath of a bizarre Boxing Day rampage on the water is extensive and the damage expensive. Repair costs for luxury boats, docks and buildings likely running well over a million dollars. The culprits, two massive barges that broke loose under the cover of darkness on Wednesday. Just before 6.30 a.m., a vessel from the VPD's marine unit responded to a 911 call about these barges. The barges have been described uh, to me as very heavy. Uh, approximately the size of a soccer field each. The big question now is how? Officials say both barges somehow came unmoored in North Vancouver in the early hours of the morning and drifted across Burrard Inlet, ultimately coming to a crashing halt in Cool Harbour. And the policemen that I spoke to actually saw it hit the restaurant, so they were on it and following it. They just couldn't catch up with it. This upscale, typically crowded restaurant, one of the casualties. Management left picking up the pieces of shattered glass panels that finally broke the momentum of one of those barges. We're going to be calling the engineers um, to come and uh, have a look just to make sure there isn't any additional um, damage. And investigators will need to figure out exactly what went wrong. Those rogue barges finally reined in and returned to where they came from several hours later in a joint effort by Vancouver police, port officials and tugboat operators. The Vancouver police will be investigating the damage to the Coal Harbour structures and vessels, which at this point appears to be five in total. Just uh, thankful that it uh, wasn't worse and it didn't take out the Chevron station or any of that kind of thing. This incident remarkably leaving behind significant monetary damage but no injuries. A close call that could have easily ended in disaster. Sarah, it could have been so much worse. What are we hearing from Port Metro Vancouver on this? Well, the Port Authority tells us the inlet is monitored 24-7, though exactly how those barges came untethered in the first place is still unclear at this point. That anything was amiss at all was only ultimately brought to the attention of officials by another vessel on the water. Vancouver police are now investigating this incident alongside the Transportation Safety Board. Chris, the Port Authority tells us they will cooperate fully as investigators work to get to the bottom of this bizarre close call. Very true. All right, let's hope we get some answers soon. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Sarah McDonald in Vancouver for us. Well, it's been exactly a week since that powerful windstorm hammered BC's south coast, and there are still thousands of people without power. BC Hydro says this could end up being the most damaging storm in its history. Crews have been working around the clock to restore electricity, and while more than 700,000 customers have had power restored, others remain in the dark tonight. Crews have been brought in from across the country to help repair the damage. A young skier beats the odds buried in an avalanche for 40 minutes. What likely saved him later on the news hour. And caught on video in Chicago, a terrifying near miss at a railway crossing. That's coming up as well. But right now, brace yourself. The new year means new tax hikes for British Columbians. There will be hikes in employer and property tax as well as transit and carbon taxes. Aaron MacArthur explains how much it's going to cost you and the effect critics say it will have across the province. Just about the time the holiday hangover is starting to fade, the government is going to make it a whole bunch worse. Starting New Year's Day, life is getting more expensive. Do you want to pay more tax next year? 
No, thank you. I already have quite a bit. That's not good for the, the middle class people. Government's government. Government will do what they want to do. You're already being taxed. You want to pay more? No. <laughs> According to the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, the biggest hit will come in the form of a tax our employers will pay. The employer health tax is being phased in this year to replace the MSP. City governments being forced to jack up property tax rates. We were speaking with everybody from Courtney to Cranbrook all this summer and all of the mayors across BC are pleading with the provincial government to exempt them from this new employer health tax. A good chunk of Vancouver's nearly 5% property tax hike is due to the EHT. In Surrey, council is setting aside $4.7 million to pay for it. And the tax hikes don't stop there. Homes worth more than $3 million getting hit with a surcharge. It's something called the school tax that is coming into effect that you really need to pay attention to. And it's really just a property surtax. It's got nothing to do with schools. They called it a school tax so that people wouldn't fight it. And for good measure, gas will be more expensive in the new year. The carbon tax is going up April 1st. It'll mean another cent a litre at the pump. And the region's mayors, along with the provincial government, approved another hike of 1.5 cents a litre to fund transit. This is no one's first choice. It's certainly not our first choice. Get ready to ring in 2019. Poorer. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Enbridge is getting a $14.7 million federal refund over the Northern Gateway Pipeline project. Enbridge asked for the refund back in February when the federal government quashed plans for the pipeline that would have connected the Alberta oil patch to a port in Kitimat. Just before the holidays, the Trudeau cabinet agreed it was just and reasonable for the federal energy regulator to give back the money for the cancelled project. The funds will be paid out of the government's general account. An average of four people died every day, 120 in total, last month from an illicit drug overdose. That from the B.C. Coroner's Service today. The majority of those dying are men between the ages of 30 and 59. The three cities experiencing the highest number of illicit drug overdoses are Vancouver, Surrey and Victoria. The latest figures show 1,380 people died of overdose between January 1st and November 30th this year. That's almost exactly the same number of dead between the same period last year. The scope of the crisis, quite evident and shocking when you look at the line graph comparing illicit drug overdose deaths to other common causes of unnatural death from 2010 to 2017. Well, October, 20, uh, October 17, 2018 marked the day many marijuana users across B.C. were waiting for, Legalization Day. Canadians 18 and older can now possess up to 30 grams of cannabis legally. But as Paul Hasem reports, the rollout was more of a fizzle than a spark, with only one store open in B.C. on Weed Wednesday. Yeah! Lemon skunk! October 17th, or as many called it... Uh, what else did I get? Cannabis Christmas. Long lineups for legal weed across the country. But to get here... You have to go back. Sunny ways, my friends. Sunny ways. A prime minister's promise that sent police and politicians scrambling. Can the minister explain his timeline to match the 100 stores Alberta anticipates will be open? We are not going to apologize for doing this right. 
Edging up to the October deadline, dispensaries started selling off product, some deciding to shut down and wait. Our intention is not to turn our nose up on the regulatory practices. We want to be a part of it. With 173 legal applications, BC had just one store ready to go, smack dab in the middle of Kamloops, an old dollar store converted into a cannabis haven. It's happening. It's, it's actually happening. Which brings us back to the big day. Early morning, October 17th, some setting up before the sun even sparks. I guess I'm quite keen. I didn't realize that I would be the first. I honestly thought there was going to be a lineup. 10 a.m., the bedlam begins. It's the clean green store, a sight to behold, with 85 strains that varied in price and potency. It comes on the line, and you can give it a whiff as well, you right? Whiff. You just can't uh, touch it, so that's one of the that's one of the reasons why we wanted to make it um, available to you, but not so that you would degrade it. It's supposed to be kind of West Coast casual. We wanted to make sure that uh, people were comfortable coming in, no matter what age, no matter whether you were a novice or aficionado. Within hours, several strains sell out both in store and online. Since then, pot stock is soaring, old stigmas fading away, and new opportunities popping up. We have a large display case coming down here. For us to be a part of uh, uh, this historic time is very exciting. Exciting but confusing as we venture into a haze of uncertainty with Bud now big business in B.C. Paul Hasem, Global News. And two months after weed became legal, just two licensed brick-and-mortar shops are operating in B.C. right now. One in Kamloops and a private shop in Kimberley. A third will open its doors in Vancouver on Saturday, the first to open in that city. People will also soon be able to buy their bud at Shoppers Drug Mart, but only online. In Metro Vancouver, police are being told to focus on dozens of dispensaries which are operating illegally while they wait to get the green light on their licenses. The city and province will only say that they're working on it. Meantime, a Winnipeg-based cannabis producer has been stripped of its senior management team after an internal investigation found the company sold unauthorized product. Health Canada issued a recall earlier this month for two strains of bonafide cannabis products that were being sold at three stores in Saskatchewan. Three senior Bonafide executives have been dismissed and a board member has been suspended, but the pot producer will keep its Health Canada licenses. The source of the bad pot is still unknown. Check out this stunning dash cam video from an Illinois police cruiser. In the video, you see a car in front of the cruiser driving down the street. As the cars approach a railroad crossing, the coast appears to be clear until that. From the left, you see the train coming, and it barrels right across the road just after the car in front crosses. The crossing arms were not down, and if you look at the video in slow motion, you notice that the car coming from the opposite direction also just barely crosses the tracks before the train comes. Close call indeed. Well, today was day six of the U.S. government shutdown, and there's still no sign of compromise. With many lawmakers home for the holidays, the Senate adjourned until Monday. 800,000 government employees are left trying to figure out what to do with themselves, hoping they eventually get a paycheck. Not a creature has been stirring since Saturday in the empty hallways of Washington. But in Virginia, free knitting lessons for furloughed government workers. It's out of your hands. Until it's back in my hands, I'll put something else in my hands and go with it from there.
in Kentucky, a plate of barbecue on the house. We're feeding all the government employees until uh, they go back to work. However long it lasts, it lasts. And in California, frustration for Nicole Lauer, whose husband is in the Coast Guard and won't be getting his regularly scheduled paycheck Monday. What do we do after that if the pay doesn't come through? And I think that's what most families are feeling right now is just that uncertainty of what do we do? The White House today railed against Democrats and reiterated the president wants money to beef up border security. It shouldn't be hard to get to where the president wants to be. Senators on both sides making their cases for a shutdown solution. It's going to hurt our economy. It makes no sense whatsoever. But making them from their holiday vacation locations, which says a lot about what's happening in Washington. Nothing. How long do you think the shutdown will last, Mr. President? Uh, Whatever it takes. I mean, we're going to have a wall. So what's the way out of this stalemate? Democrats could offer some money for a border wall, a political win for the president. The president could accept no money for a wall, a political win for Democrats, or both sides could compromise on border security and each declare victory. Well, millions of Americans are in holiday travel mode and severe winter weather is disrupting their plans across much of the country. A winter storm is dumping snow and ice to the north, rain and flooding to the south and east. The severe storm threat even including a risk of tornadoes along the Gulf Coast. Overnight, a powerful winter storm making its way across the U.S., affecting millions from New Mexico. Skis and snowshoes required at High Point Tennis tonight. All the way to Minnesota. Travelers heading home from the holidays facing dangerous conditions on the road. We've been in traffic forever. We would start to move a little bit and then it stopped again. And in the air. In Texas, a flight heading for Dallas was diverted to Austin after severe turbulence injured two people on board. Safety is a top priority in these types of situations when there is severe weather. Officials even canceling a college bowl game in Dallas as extreme lightning rolled through the area during the first quarter. The decision was made for the right reasons, and that's the welfare of both teams' players, and I totally understood that, even though we were bitterly disappointed. More severe storms are expected along the central Gulf Coast as parts of the southwest brace for more snow. A miracle rescue in the French Alps. A 12-year-old boy found alive and uninjured after being buried under an avalanche for 40 minutes. French police in the town of Bourges-Saint-Maurice said the boy was skiing in a group of seven skiers when he was swept away. He was dragged at least 100 meters by the force of the avalanche. Rescue workers described the operation as miraculous because they said chances of survival are minuscule after 15 minutes under the snow. Police said among the reasons the boy survived was that his airways were never blocked by the snow. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency has issued a warning about three types of single-serve EatSmart brand salad shakeups. They include the flavors Tropical Lime, Asian Sesame and Sweet Kale. It's due to possible listeria contamination. They carry best before dates of December 29th. They should be thrown out or return to the store where they were purchased. There have been no reported illnesses associated with these products so far. It's a challenging time of year for blood donations, so today volunteers were out in force reminding people it's in you to give. Canadian Blood Services asking anyone who has made an appointment over the holidays to please keep it, or if you must, reschedule for early in the new year. While officials say they understand how busy everyone is right now, the need is often great at this time of year, too. 
And while all blood types help patients, O-negative blood is in particular demand because it's the only type compatible or compatible with all other blood types. So there's a tremendous need for blood donors, especially in this week right now. A lot of booked appointments from regular donors go missed because they're gone on holidays, spending time with family. And hospitals continually need blood. And it's a critical time of year where we can come together and help fill this need at this time of year where it's really a time of giving. Some viral video to show you now of a man base jumping off a condo tower in Toronto. And a reminder, do not try this at home. Yes, indeed. Toronto police say they received reports of a man jumping off a building Christmas morning. But when officers arrived, it was all over and the base jumper was long gone. And while police are investigating, they say if the jumper is ever found, it's up to the officer's discretion whether or not to lay charges. And a dream come true for an adventure athlete whose life goal is to show others that sometimes you can achieve the impossible. His amazing feat right after the forecast. And we'll check in with Christy right now. First show back from uh, Christmas. Mm -hmm. Not a white Christmas for us here, but uh, no. let's see what's coming in the new year as we get closer to the new year, Christy. Well, for starters, today was a gorgeous day across much of the province. Really stunning sunrise from Tofino. Thanks to John Williams for that. Uh, we did have a fair amount of cloud today, but lots of blue sky in places as well. This nice shot from Agassiz. Chris, it's what I call over the last couple of days back and forth type of weather. Christmas Day wasn't too bad. We had some sunshine, nice day. And then Boxing Day, it was wet. We even had the chance of snow. You saw the snow level low with the snow on the mountains, the local mountains. And then today, nice. But guess what? Tomorrow we're back into it and we are going to see significant rain, especially towards the end of the day. And again, we have the possibility of snow that freezing level is going to drop significantly. So let's have a look at this. So the rain will pick up overnight. Tomorrow morning, you can expect the rainfall. This is at 7 a.m. So already uh, pushing in through the early morning hours. Uh, what we're expecting is that freezing level to drop to about 500 meters. Sorry, the snow level to drop to about 500 meters. And so we could see some snowflakes closer to that 300 meter mark. But what I'm concerned about is in the afternoon, you can see the intensity pushes in. That This means more intense rain. And when we start to see more intense rain, it actually can force the temperature to drop. So I'm a bit concerned towards late morning, afternoon hours that we could see some wet snow over lower terrain. Likely, it will just be SFU, Westwood Plateau, but we'll be watching for that through the morning hours. At this point, we're talking about just rain. There's just that small possibility, and I want you to be aware of that. Across the north, uh, snowfall warning up to 25 centimeters through the day Friday, Friday night as well. So uh, Prince George down through the Caribou and then up through the Pine Pass area near uh, Mackenzie as well. Northern sections of the uh, north coast as well. Highway snowfall, Sea to Sky Highway in Coca expecting the most tomorrow. So today was a good travel day. Tomorrow will not be a good travel day. Right through into Saturday morning. Expect to be able to travel again Saturday afternoon. That would be your window. So there's a snowfall that we're expecting throughout the day tomorrow. You're expecting also wind chills overnight tonight, close to minus 20 in some areas. Snowfall here likely towards the afternoon hours. It'll take a while, little while for it to push into your area, but certainly rain across our region with a slight possibility of wet 
wet snow, Chris. Mostly it'll just be over higher terrain. We warm up Saturday, rain and wind, and then we cool down Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday as the sun makes its way out. And I'll leave you with a beautiful shot. Uh, Christmas Day, Dragon Lake near Quinnell. Isn't that picture perfect? What a way to spend Christmas. That's beautiful. Thanks, Linda, for sending that in. And thank you, Christy. We'll uh, have you over here a little bit to respond to this story because it's really amazing. An American has accomplished what many thought was impossible, trekking across Antarctica alone and without any help. Colin O'Brady battled frigid temperatures, whiteout conditions and roaring winds, overcoming huge personal challenges to do it. On November 3rd, a Russian cargo plane dropped off 33-year-old Colin O'Brady at the edge of nowhere. He was alone, except for 400 pounds of food and equipment, in Antarctica, a place so cold, water freezes in midair. This project is for anyone who has been told their dreams are impossible. O'Brady had a mission, to become the first person to trek across Antarctica alone and without help. He also had real-time competition. British Army Captain Lewis Rudd, a more experienced athlete with the same dream, joined him at the starting line. The two men took off on different paths. O'Brady walked almost 20 miles and 12 hours a day in 90-minute increments, stopping to sleep in a tent, consume 8,000 calories a day, call his wife, and post his progress on social media. Journalist Adam Skolnick chronicled the race and spoke to O'Brady by phone during his journey. On Christmas morning, he wakes up and he decides to go 32 straight hours, 77.54 miles, all in one shot. It was the final stretch. O'Brady finished first, 54 days after he began, traveling 932 miles in all. He was really humbled. And he's really happy for it to be over. O'Brady hasn't always been quick on his feet. Ten years ago, his legs were badly burned in a fire in Thailand. Doctors told him he probably wouldn't walk normally again. But he did learn to walk again, then run, before going on to win the Chicago Triathlon 18 months after his accident. In 2016, he became the fastest person to summit the tallest peaks on each of the seven continents. I'm on the summit of Mount Everest! A year before embarking on his Antarctic journey, O'Brady gave this TED Talk about what he's learned as an adventure athlete. Achievement is simply for those who never quit. It is for those who put the most steps in front of the others. Never quit. Wow. That's an amazing story. All right, uh, Squire's here it's now. It's the 11th commandment, never give up. Never give up. Incredible. There's almost too much hockey action going on right now. Oh, that's okay. Tis the season. Tis the season, true. All right, uh, so having the World Juniors in Vancouver and, of course, Victoria this year means it's perfect for Canuck fans because the next Canucks prospect that everyone is fired up about, the young man next to me, defenseman Quinn Hughes, of course, is one of the stars of the United States team. Now, the U.S. has started their tournament in the capital city, but he's not the only Canuck prospect who'll be wearing red, white, and blue. Locked in front of us, Clavin, got in front of us, shot, score! 
Team USA is one of Canada's natural enemies at the World Juniors, but a couple of the American players will be getting at least a little bit of love from BC hockey fans. 2018 first-rounder Quinn Hughes and 2018 third-rounder Tyler Madden are both highly touted Canucks draft picks, and both have noticed a little extra attention since they've arrived for the tournament. Yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. Um, obviously, uh, a lot of fans were here last night, and uh, couple guys uh, gave me some high fives with Canucks jersey on. And, uh, it was pretty special, so it's awesome. Kind of got that big time in uh, in Langley. Um, so, it, I mean, I like it. I think it's exciting as a player. You kind of want that. Um, so I think it's, for me, it's just extra motivation. Final seconds now of overtime. Hughes winds in. Hole sets it back in for the score. What a play by Quinn Hughes. Hughes' skill level is elite already, and many feel he could be playing in the NHL right now. He's that good. Speculation is he will join the Canucks once his season is over at Michigan. Um, I'm not discussing that right now. I'm just excited about this tournament in the second half of Michigan. Well, when he does decide to get here, the Canucks expect he will be running their power play and be the man on the blue line for many years. I, mean, I think one thing that that goes a little bit unnoticed is his ability to distribute the puck. Uh, he's a tendency to, to find people in areas that a lot of people can't see. So uh, I think he's a really, really strong all-around defenseman. Madden is the son of former NHLer John Madden. Tyler has a little more offensive upside than his dad, who scored a modest 165 goals in 898 career games. But he did win two Stanley Cups with the Devils, so when Dad talks, Tyler listens. Uh, basically just to stay calm and uh, know that you belong and stuff uh, and play the game you know how to play. No matter how Team USA does in the tournament, players who get this experience tend to come out a lot better going forward, which is great news for the Canucks. From a developmental standpoint, I think both those guys look at themselves and view themselves as elite players. And so this gives them an opportunity to look next to them, across from them, and see players that are elite and what they can do to try and get to that level. All right, Max Comtois in Canada, of course. He has a 14 on his jersey. That's appropriate because they scored 14 goals last night against Denmark. First minute, they score again. And uh, it's Cody Glass making it one nothing for Canada, who are tonight playing Switzerland, who won't be as easy as Denmark. But again, it's a game the Canadians should win. Uh, early in the second, Philip Kurashev ties it for the Swiss on the power play, but then Canada scores two. One of them, first-round pick, Noah Dobson, defenseman, charging the net. Legs are open, puck's going between them. One more look. So it's 3-1 after two for the Canadians over Switzerland. Canucks are back in action, starting a six-game road trip in Edmonton. And it starts off very well. Miko Koskinen, the Oilers goalie, did not have a good first period, which means the Canucks did. Tyler Mott scores. He actually started this play by taking the puck off of um, the Oilers. Milan Lucic. That made it 1-0. And then... Godolbin, Pedersen, Besser, back of the net. Now late in the period, we don't have the highlights, Pedersen scored and Roussel scored, I believe. So it's 4-1 Canucks after one. They scored four goals on six shots. Unbelievable. Okay, no football team wants to give up the football through fumbles or interceptions. Turnovers can often be the difference to who wins and who loses in a game. But the Seattle Seahawks have an obsession 
with not turning the ball over. And if you don't give up the ball, if they don't give up the ball, I should say, on Sunday against Arizona, they will tie the record in the NFL for fewest turnovers in a 16-game season. Right now, they have only turned over the ball 10 times. And five of the 10 were turned over in the first two games of the season. So what is it about Seattle's ability to hold on to the football like it's their child? Emphasis. Emphasis in every way, forever. Every turn, every step, every day, April, May, it doesn't matter when. It's, it's the number one thing that we emphasize. And uh, we've been doing that for a long time. And what our challenge is, is how well can we emphasize it? And that emphasis to protect the ball at all costs filters right down to the players who will remind each other of its importance. Um, it, it is such a big deal around here that I mean, guys get put on the screen and they get hammered and they get whatever, they get hooted at or whatever if they're even loose with the ball a little bit, you know, and so um, we're really tuned into it. And of course, earlier in the week, the Seahawks gave Pete Carroll a new contract. So he is there until 2021. And he's the oldest coach in the NFL at 67. But he probably has the most energy, especially on the sidelines. He sure does. He's chewing that gum. Like yeah, he his does. life yeah, depends yeah, on yeah, it. I'm so surprised he hasn't like, broken his jaw or yanked something out of place there. But That's yes. Right. Uh, and he says the Seahawks will go with regular guys, despite the fact they're in the playoffs for their final game. Oh, That's good. There you go. Good to know. Okay, thanks, Squire. Here's Jen Palmer now with a preview of Global News tonight at 11. Jen? Yeah, Chris, more alarm bells are sounding over people driving under the influence of cannabis during the holidays. We'll show you results of a surprising new national poll. And a spectacular sight in Delta. Check this out. Hundreds of bald eagles have descended on the area, and experts say there are, they're there to stay at least through February. We'll tell you the real reason why the birds are flocking there and how you can enjoy seeing them safely. They sure are beautiful. Join us tonight on Global News at 11 for those stories and all your local and breaking news. Back to you. All right. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Jen. Some head-shaking examples of what not to call 911 for. That's coming up next. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with a look at five things to do. Kasia? Yeah, it's our New Year's Eve edition, so get your noisemakers out and let the tinsel fly. First, we go to Concord's New Year's Eve Vancouver, Canada's largest New Year's Eve party. Family-friendly, featuring close to a dozen artists and bands on three live music stages and two fireworks displays. If you can't make it, watch it right here on Global News and BC One. Up on Grouse, ring in the new year family style with entertainment and fun for all ages with a special kids countdown and fireworks at 9 p.m. Be wowed by the Vancouver Cabaret at a family-friendly New Year's Eve variety show. Expect circus acrobats, magic, live music, and one of the city's biggest balloon drops. That's at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre in Vancouver. Wrap up the year in a soulful way. A full-day New Year's Eve experience with yoga, sound healing, and uplifting workshops on health and wellness. In Kelowna, the biggest all-ages party is at Jim Stewart Park. Enjoy activities around the outdoor skating rink, live music spanning genres like pop, country, and kindy rock. And, of course, an awesome fireworks display. For more, go to globalnews.ca slash five things. Here's today's snow report. It's a drier day across BC today after some snow over the last 24 hours on the slopes. 205 centimeter base at Whistler Blackcomb right now. Grouse 197, 218 Cypress, 175 Sasquatch. 
Revelstoke a base of 177 centimeters, 161 Fernie, Manning Park 129, and Whitewater 174. Big White's base at 142 centimeters, 144 Silver Star, and 122 Sun Peaks. Kicking Horse a base of 137, 178 at Mount Washington, and Powder King's base 182 centimeters. It's the most wonderful time of the year uh, because Ecom has released <laughs> oh. its annual top 10 list of 911 head scratchers, reminding people please do not tie up the emergency line. The calls are definitely not of a critical nature. Many of them are consumer complaints, and all of them are real first world problems. 911, yeah. police ambulance or fire? There are plenty of good reasons to call 911. If you need medical assistance right away. You feel like there's an immediate threat to your safety. But every year, there are some who need to dial in their definition of an emergency. Hey, we gotta check this out. Topping Ecom's 10 worst 911 calls of 2018. Thanks. There's a White Castle that's open 24 hours up in Cherry Hill. A complaint that a drive-thru wasn't open all night, as advertised. We can't tie up an emergency line for something like that. That's not an emergency. Some people find it hard to um, understand that their situation is not an emergency. Maybe it's very frustrating for them, but it's just not appropriate for our line. Adding fuel to the frustration, how about this call? You ask for 91 gas and they put regular gas in your car? If one 911 line is being used up for a situation that is not an emergency, that's one 911 line that's not available for somebody who truly does need our help. And then there was a call from someone who didn't quite know how to operate their vehicle and had the bright idea to call 911. The problem? They didn't know how to turn off their headlights. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> I really don't think you should be using 911 for stuff like that. And while dialing 911 to ask about daylight savings might seem a little bit silly, Ecom says it's serious when you're in the business of saving lives. When you sandwich a call of this nature, which seems kind of funny, in between a real emergency or an assault in progress, it kind of loses its comedic appeal. While most say it's basic common sense, for the past six years, Ecom has published a top 10 list. Now, are you calling 911 because they're not redeeming your coupon for you? Hard to believe people will eventually cut it out. Okay, how long ago did this happen? With the nature of calls coming in to 911. John Hua, Global News. Wow. I, I don't understand how people can be that stupid. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, that is it's yeah. moronic it's to moronic. phone up and ask, ooh, I remember how come I my coupons aren't I had an emergency one time, and I was wondering, should I, is this enough of an emergency to call 911? You, you were questioning it, yeah. <laughs> not, not enough people have that presence of mind. Like, I, what, what does the person think if they call 911 about the... the the drive-through that's not open 24 hours. That the cops are going to bust in and make you a burger? Like, I don't get it. It's probably not the time you want to see cops, too. Yeah. No. Late at night. Uh, all right, well, thank you very much for watching. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the program, and we'll be back here to do it all over again tomorrow night. Have a good evening. Night.